Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Everybody, welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on the stack, we talk about a bunch of comic books that have come out sure this do. week. And this is a big week for comic books. Yes. But we're going to kick it off with Venom number 200 oh. from Marvel, written by Donnie Cates with Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Ryan Stegman, Kev Walker, Danilo S. Ruth, Ron Lim, Gugu Villanova, Gerardo Sandoval, and Mark Bagley. This is the end of of Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman's run oh. on Venom. They're tying up everything that they wanted to say with Eddie Brock and then kicking it over to the next team to take over. I really like this ending a lot. I thought what they were setting up here was very interesting and very good. And I say this as somebody who came into this run not caring the least little bit about Venom. Yeah, not the I, least little bit? I uh, Maybe a little bit. I I don't know where how to jump in on that, but I do think that this was a great Venom run. Also, uh, fantastic 200th issue. You know, instead of doing a collection of stories, like just tell one huge story, which was great. Um, and also, uh, I'm a sucker for those like covers in the back of the of the comic oh that's just such a cool thing and even that little mini comic with the venom was hysterical it, it's this was a great tight package as justin likes to say it's a, I, it's a, I say that i said that once and it's haunted me um like a symbiote attached to my body for mm-hmm. um, so long um Donny Cates is a meticulous writer, and so um, we get to sort of touch all of the points here that you would want in a Venom run. We get, um, uh, well, first off, I love the choice that Eddie Brock has now been aged by mm-hmm. all of the uh, his symbiote stuff. Um, very fun. Uh, so he gets to be this sort of uh, guru in a way and godlike creature. I love the the Spider-Man stuff I thought was great, the way that he... We got to see two sides of the conversation between Spider-Man and him and him and the Avengers. Very fun. And like you said, Alex, the way it positions sort of the future of Venom, where we have Flash Thompson sort of out there living his symbiote life. And then we have uh, Eddie's son and the original Venom symbiote as his uh, faithful uh, sort of symbiote crypto um, out there uh, fighting the good fight. Like, great spots. I really like it. Yeah, I... I mean, listen, and I say this with actual affection, but it's legit Batman Beyond, except with Venom, is what they're setting up there at the end. That's exactly what I was thinking as well, Yeah, but it works. It absolutely works. Like, if this is... It doesn't feel like... It felt like natural narrative arcs to get there versus, oh, this is the place you were heading towards. You were, you know, jumping backwards to make it into this new iteration. Instead... They told the story they wanted to tell with Eddie, and here's where they ended up, and they set it up for this next iteration with Dylan Brock, and 
I'd be excited to follow his adventures. I love the idea of Eddie as the eye in the sky, like the old Bruce Wayne, giving him the info, giving him the intel on everything that Dylan doesn't know exactly how to use the suit, but the suit is working with him. It's super yeah, fun. I like the addition of chains, you know what I mean? Nice mm-hmm. little shout out to You Spong. love it, arm chains, wrist yeah. chains, very heavy. Well, and I agree because I also like he gets to be sort of, um, as we learn in his issue, omnipresent, not omnipotent, and uh, sort of a bad dad, like a little busy. So that means Dylan can be on mm-hmm. his own trying to figure it out. Um, and then how about, what do you guys feel about the use of Maker, the Reed Richards mm-hmm. from the Ultimate Universe as the villain, the up, seemingly the upcoming villain here? Well, that seems to me... And this is pure speculation based on having not actually read anything, so I could be entirely wrong. But that seems to me be the thing that Donny Cates has been kind of teasing and been going forward with a little bit, that he's going to reboot the Ultimate Universe, you know, or that there's going to be this twist on rebooting the Ultimate Universe, and it's this bigger event story that they're heading towards. I don't know necessarily that it's a Venom-specific issue thing that's going to happen, but I do think we're going to get like ultimate war a year from now or something like that. I see. I would be less excited about rebooting the ultimate universe and more excited about the ultimate universe, um, which already exists as we learn in this issue being this pocket place where villains live, sort of a madripoor mm-hmm. for a multiversal a pocket, if you will. A little peekaboo pocket for villainy. I, I like that, too, and I also like the idea of having some sort of mission statement about the Ultimate Universe. It's an interesting thing because the Ultimate Universe clearly influenced the MCU, which is the main driver now for Marvel Comics. But if there is some sort of statement about the Ultimate Universe invading the Marvel Universe proper and then being the dick villains that they are, I think that would be kind of fascinating. I don't know. I think we have enough distance now from the Ultimate Universe to make some sort of commentary about it, and I'd be curious to see if that's the way that Donnie goes. It's such a tough needle to thread, though, not to keep talking mm-hmm. about it, but, like, we got Miles out. Like, he's in, he's in the regular... <laughs> he's safe, um, man. He's safe. He's safe. He's in our universe. Why are we going back? What else do you want from the Ultimate Universe? Mm-hmm. We, if Maker's a villain, I like having him sort of jumping around, but what, what else do we need from over there? I don't know. Dick Captain America. Yeah, like, I I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I would rather let, if you want to create a new universe, great. But, like, I think we can just let the rest of it I do wonder if we're going to get something almost like Heroes Reborn, except for the Ultimate Universe, where if the idea is Maker writing the Ultimate Universe over the 616 universe, if we're going to get, quote, our Captain America transforming into the ultimate Captain America and that sort of thing, so that they can have that and show why that doesn't work anymore and then kind of move forward from there. What's, I don't the, know. what's the take, though? Like, the Ultimate Universe is meant to be a commentary on the modern world and updating our heroes to reflect the modern world. Like, what's the take there? Uh, I'm, may, there could be one. Hero, heroism is forever. Excelsior. Great. Let's definitely bring that guy back, Stanley. <laughs> Oh, thank you for specifying. Let's move on to something surprisingly retrograde opposite from this discussion. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, number one from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Bilquis Evely. This is not what I expected from this, given Tom King. This is almost a very old school. You guys are going to rip on me for even bringing it up, but it really feels very like John Carter Except uh, with Supergirl. Wait, why Alex, would you do that? Do you mean John, John Carter, Carter, the from modern Mars? Star Wars? Yes. 
Don't try to just say it to get us from saying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because if you we haven't heard this story take that before, away from us. we went to see an advanced screening of John Carter from Mars, walked mm. out of it. A famous disaster movie. Famous absolute <laughs> failure of, mo- of a movie. With uh, Taylor Kitsch, right, as mm-hmm. in the lead role, yeah. poised to become a huge star. Absolutely. We walk out it, and Alex a, is like, A pre-battleship Taylor Kitsch. Wow, what a way! To, what a perfect thing to say to set up the what I'm about to say. It's you walking out of that movie saying that's our Star Wars. Oh, that is the modern day just, Star Wars. To be that. fair to myself, that is not what I said. What I said is some kid is going to see this. No, and this is don't going you to be, try to change it now. You, you were the kid. <laughs> Yeah. You were that. Don't guy. you try to change it. I very it. specifically said this is by Star Wars. You. This is yeah. the only Star Wars I recognize, including Star yes. Wars, is John yes. Carter Mars. My point being that we get this very retrograde story of Supergirl on an alien planet. She doesn't have her, any of her powers. It's mostly through the lens of somebody who lives on the alien planet that doesn't know about spaceships or anything like that. So she feels very otherworldly. Um, I enjoyed this story. I'm curious to see what this is saying about Supergirl, because I don't quite know at this point. I I really thought this was a fantastic first issue. They take a big swing, which I appreciate. Let let's see Supergirl without her powers, you know, like getting taken down by bow and arrow. Like this is a cool kind of like the art's very different than how we've seen her. The coloring is very different. I I think this uh, as someone who's making a, a a statement with Supergirl, I really appreciated this first issue. Also, I've never given a shit about crypto more than in this comic. So like this was, I thought like a really fantastic. Talking, sorry, Pete, are you talking about cryptocurrency? No, no, I'm not. Uh, Just checking they, in. If you're yeah. like, get thanks to for keeping on it topical, bro. Way to get in there. Dogecoin. Let's fucking get yeah. topical, dude. Yeah. I know about things that happen. So yeah, I just think that it's Bitcoin. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I just think it's one of those things where if you're going to kind of like, all right, I want to know what your take is. I think this is a great job of like starting this in a new direction to kind of see what we're going to kind of get in this. And I think I'm very excited for more. I think they did a great job. What I love about Tom King's work in general is I feel like he approaches every book with here's my take. Here's the type of story I'm trying to tell here. It's about X, Y. It's about like uh, a trauma leading to depression or it's about um, being compromised in your uh, hero- heroism and having to then move forward after that and to give you some examples or Batman, Catwoman uh, fucking and one of them going down on the other one. Um <laughs> Great. No. So this this comic feels like it's about that time in your life when you're like in your early twenties and you're fucking around and you're fucking up. Like you're you're not uh, you're, you're not the person. You exactly. You think you're destructible. You're not the person you're going to be. You're not a kid anymore. And to position Supergirl right there, I think is great character choice. And to write this book that is fun, and he comes at it from such a faraway angle with this sort of other planet. Uh, we intro how many pages? Like half of the book is all preamble before we even see Supergirl, and that feels so right for. The, the tone and the topic here. I, I thought this was great. I just, Tom King is, he's ahead of the audience in every comic he does, and I love that. 
Next up, Compass, number one from Image Comics, written by Robert McKenzie and David Walker, art by Justin Greenwood. Uh, Pete, what'd you think about this one? Hang on, I'm still pulling it up here. Oh, okay. We would uh, say, as upstate New Yorkers, we would say Compass. Yeah, I Compass. Was say Compass, but um, Compass. Uh, yeah, man, really love this. The art's fantastic. We got a very kind of cool uh, uh, hero that we don't kind of know a lot about and uh, interesting kind of like villain that's uh, one step ahead of her there. I think this is uh, the arts kind of really leaning the way, but I'm very intrigued by the main characters the way that you not usually are. A couple of notes about this one. First of all, this is Greg Rucka Presents. And as we know, Greg Rucka has a habit of creating and uh, pushing very badass female characters. Here we get somebody who seems to be, I don't know, crusade times, would you say? Is that fair? Um, She's going on an adventure there. Somebody's trying to track her down. She ends up in what I believe is probably Gaul, potentially, or maybe Ireland. We're not 100% sure. But it's definitely a globe-spanning adventure there. Uh, It felt... It's not anything like the old guard, but it definitely felt in line with what he was doing there, uh, albeit with different creators in this case. Uh, and I agree with you, Pete. I thought the action was good. I thought this was a fun adventure. I like this quite a bit. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know why I thought of uh, Headlopper when I was reading this, but uh-huh. I, I did. Because um, it, I think it's maybe just the the panels and the pacing of this story, the way uh, because it, the art's not similar to it, but yeah. that's what first jumped into my head, and I I really enjoyed like I love sort of the near silent uh, I don't know ten page action action sequence yeah. that kicks it off, mm-hmm. like very fun book. Good stuff. Next up, Static Season 1, number one from DC Comics, written by Vita Ayala, art by Chris Cross. This is rebooting, kind of, and kicking off the Milestone universe once again, so it's a very big deal. Um, Pete, were you a fan of Static Shock? And if so, what did you think about this book? Yeah, definitely. Um, I I thought this was a great first issue. Really love the art. Love the the brightness and the action. Uh, really thought it was great uh, fight stuff. Um, yeah, I'm very interested to see how this uh, moves forward. But I felt like the different art style was uh, what stuck out to me the most. I really uh, thought it was a it does a great job of kind of creating this world that kind of uh, where static is. So yeah, I uh, I think it's a, a fantastic first issue that does a good job of getting you pumped for more. Static Shock is the Spider-Man of the DC Universe. Let's just do it. Let's do that all day and keep it going. And this book really, I think, sets that stage and and plays it out. Yeah, it treats it seriously. The art is great, as you mentioned. It's crisscross, so it's always good. But uh, yeah, very solid first issue. Next up, Save Yourself, number one from Boombox, written by Bones Leopard, which is an amazing name. Art by Bones. Kelly. Bones Leopard. Art by Kelly and Nicole Matthews. This is a take on what if magical girls like Sailor Moon or something like that or whatever were evil and eight people <laughs> essentially is the idea of the book. Some of them are not quite evil, but a regular girl gets involved in them. Um, I enjoyed this. I had a fun time reading this and I liked all the twists and turns and I'm definitely on board for issue two. What did you guys think? I love the art style, like all the like bright pinks, bright yellows, like purples. Everything's just popping all the time. 
Um, and yeah, the, the story really uh, kept me guessing. We have our sort of our main character falling in with the quote unquote villains. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of like big superhero action, uh, but or Sailor Moon action even. But at the same time, there's sort of that awkward like, hey, um, I'm not actually supposed to be at this party, but um, I'm at this party. So um, should I just should I just be here? Or like, what are we doing? We're going to a spaceship. It's kind okay. of had That's a fine. like Scott Pilgrim feel to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really love the 8-bit kind of gamer start that it has. Uh, I agree with Justin. Love the bright colors. Uh, also, this this cool thing of, like, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, which is very interesting. And then this kind of, like, uh, succubus kind of, like, power thing where they're stealing humans' energy. So uh, I think very intriguing Fantastic art, uh, great kind of setup of this world, very easy to relate to the main character. Um, you know, uh, push me down once, shame on you, but the second person she should just leveled. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just keep getting knocked around. You know what I mean? Eventually, you got to really start throwing bows or something. Throwing Elbow. what? Elbows. 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 Oh, okay. Bows is short for elbows. Or did you mean like little bows that you put in your pretty hair? Mm <laughs> Is that Next up, here's one that we all agree on. Planet Size X-Men number one from Marvel <laughs> Comics, written by Jerry Dugan, art by Pepe Larraz. Uh, so in this issue, we are getting the event that has been teased in the other Hellfire Gala issues. We've seen that Emma Frost is showing everybody some fireworks. There's a big show, but we didn't know what it was until right now. It turns out using cooperation from multiple unit, uh, mutants, but led by Magneto. Why did I say Whoa. Like that? <laughs> Who are you? What? That Get was out weird. of here, new That was weird. weird. Yeah, this new. is the first comic oh. I've ever read. Yeah. Magneto? Okay. Uh, oh what God. happened? These, that, was a, yeah. that was a weird brain thing. Magneto, he, is, uh, he has taken Arako and turned it into a planet, essentially. Like, the title is legit exactly what happens here, where Arako has been moved to Mars. They've terraformed Mars, and they've turned it into the first mutant planet. Pete, you have to be thrilled that the islands aren't fucking anymore. That's literally the only thing you've talked about with these X-Men books, which have a lot of other things going for them. But all you've talked about is the islands fucking. The islands are no longer fucking. Now one well, of them is on a planet and one of them is on Earth. Now, now they're going to have to have a long. Land. They're going to have to have a long distance relationship, which is mm-hmm. like it's all. It's hard. It's hard to make hey, that work. What are you wearing? Oh man, this yeah, started. Oh, first off, plants. You got plants. All right. So first off, uh, wait. Are you are you out with that other island? Are you out with the Wahoo <laughs> right now? Oh, <laughs> Uh, first off, the Doug is an amazing writer. I, I don't like to attack the Doug. Has a long history of amazing stuff that I very much enjoy. So why don't you just enjoy this for a change? I can't. Okay, it, uh, you know it starts off with this whole thing about like, oh yeah, planet size issue because we're turning the island to the planet. You see what? Yes, we're doing which I here? liked. Do you I see also like that. Oh my god, so smart. Um, uh, yeah, I just I can't I can't I don't know what's happening and I but, hope so. Wait, wait. So you what you don't like what you don't like about this is that you don't know what the story is, or I you don't do, like the scale. I is don't too know large. who these characters are who I've grown up with. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what their motivation is. Okay, there's a so dude the guy, who gives birth to all, a. Hold on. Ah, ah, 
No, no, no. Let me just say, I'm trying to help you here, Pete. The guy with the helmet dressed. The guy with the helmet dressed all in white is Magneto. No, that's Magneto. You know him. No. His name is pronounced Magneto. Some asshole then gives birth to a sword that becomes the Sword Space Station. Go fuck yourself. What is happening in this comic? Jamie Braddock. Jamie? Is it Jamie Braddock? James. James. James Braddock. Yeah, it's Brian Braddock's brother. It's Captain Britain's brother. He creates things with his mind, and he gives birth to a space station. I mean, I just can't even stand how calmly Captain America was just like, hey, you know, hey, just busting your balls, making you come back to the X-Men and Cyclops, you fucking piece of shit. Hey, uh, you know, guess what? I'll go to the gala now. I wasn't going to, but you psychopaths are doing something that I don't understand, so I'm going to get to the Feels like not exactly the dialogue from the comic, but go ahead, Justin. Uh, great. The thank art's for, great. Thank you for your time, Pete. Um, what I want to say about this book is the way the X-Men universe is being used now is like, it's a toolbox. All the characters are you're different. Uh, what did you say? What did you mumble? It's a Jura <laughs> toolbox. Uh, it, it's like using the characters. And, and like, I, I think this speaks to some of your frustration, Pete. It's not the like down and dirty um uh, like four X-Men go and like do something. This is like the X-Men are large scale being used to tell these sort of big stories about like, what if the X-Men built a planet? That was sort of the point of this story. And we got to see how they did that. That's some like imagination that I've never seen in a comic before. So I appreciate it. The fact that we got to have, and and then you feel the tension of like that choice is going to come back and haunt the X-Men. And I think every issue of the X-Men lately is like, we're doing this great thing. It's going to be a problem later, and we don't know how to solve that problem, but we are in this brave new world where we are making big, taking big swings, and I like that. I, it's different, and I like it. What this feels like to me is the authority without the authoritarianism. You know, the idea of the mm. authority was literally there in the title where they're like, fuck you, we're, gonna, we're not the Justice League we're going to do what we want. We're going to uh, police exactly how we want. That's not what the X-Men are doing. They're doing what they want, what they think is best for mutant kind. They're trying to explain it to humanity. But to your point, Justin, it's all this like deck of cards that is so fragile that I can't wait to see how it completely crumbles and falls back on them because it 100% will. And what I also like about it is we despite the fact that this is big sort of like plugging character it's in storytelling, we still get fun little moments. Like the Captain America feels like the real Captain America. It's a, it's a well crafted version of him. Um, Magneto feels very real. He feels like he is. Magneto. Like, it's Magneto. I don't think, um, I don't think it is. It is Magnet is what mm-hmm. you say. Yeah. Magnet. Look Mag- at these magnets. Magnet. Uh, How they it, work. <laughs> The uh, storm feels like storm. Like so everyone you guys thought it was cool, moment. the giving birth to the idea. You thought that was awesome. That was just Yeah, like, I thought oh. that was great. I love it. Oh. More of it. And that's another thing. Like, we're combining mutants to create these new, like, versions of their power sets is interesting. It's not, we don't have to see Wolverine to show up and be like, you want me to pop my claws? And then he does, and he's, everyone is scared. Yeah, because that you could follow and understand that story. We got eighteen different things all going on at once. Nobody knows what the fuck is going on. Well, not, not some of us too. Is, you know, the crazy thing is, like my my wife had a, uh, recently had a dream where I was Wolverine. It was a very sexual dream, and I was Wolverine. 
and weird. Yeah. I, I know I won't. I won't get into it. I won't get into it. Yeah, but like, that's so you, weird. My listen. wife also had a dream where I was Wolverine, and it was a sexual dream. Man, I don't remember any of the details though. Pete, no. I feel like I told you some of the details about my dream. That was my dream. Can it's you can you remind me? Of any yeah, of the details yeah. I in told your you? dream, your wife realized that you were a fucking asshole and was like, <laughs> question what she did wrong in her life that she deserved to, to be stuck with you. And it was, you know, and then she turned into Wolverine and, and murdered you and chopped you into little pieces. That's how. What went. a planet-sized conversation for this planet-sized <laughs> X-Men book. Moving on to Norse mythology, number one from Dark Horse Comics Story and Words by Neil Gaiman, our script and layouts by P. Craig Russell. This is telling a story of Norse mythology from back in the day. I like this. That's all. <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, no, I mean, it, it feels very Neil Gaiman in terms of like uh, riffs and takes on mythology. It feels like a very different tale of Odin and uh, the rest that we've seen before necessarily, pool. but what the loogie pool? Yeah, the loogie pool. Yeah. Well, like this, this is uh, this is an adaptation of Neil Gaiman's book Norse Mythology. Yeah, uh, which was published yeah. a couple of years ago. And really, I think you're here for the P. Craig Russell art. The story is great. Nice to see Neil sort of uh, drawn into the first couple of pages. Oh, you're here. on a first name basis, Neil Gaiman. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Neil. I've interviewed him. Sure. Before. Yeah. So okay. uh, he called me Justin, I'm assuming, in that interview. <laughs> Probably did. I, I let me, let listen me back check to the tape, too. but I'm pretty sure he said Jorston. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And that's why I changed my name to Jorston after that interview. <laughs> um, the P. Craig Russell art is so fun. It's, so, it's a storybook, but still with the same, um, like, just detailed flourishes that P. Craig Russell has been doing since way back in Sandman 50, uh, where I – where they work together on a great issue called Ramadan. Yeah, I think the art's unbelievable. A lot of like amazing, cool, picturesque moments. Um, you know, Norse shit is always cold as ice, which kind of bothers me a little bit. But uh, you know, people get killed left and right, and for fucked up reasons. The whole giant standing in a circle thing was a little too much for me, but. I thought oh, this you was, love giants. Would yeah. you say, Pete, it's as cold as ice? <laughs> I would. Um, and yeah, I, you know, this is, it's creatively really fun, but it's also uh, kind of fucked up. But uh, yeah, the beginning, uh, Neil Gaiman shout out at the po- uh, poetry thing was hysterical. Let's move on to a second chance for Jerry Dugan, as we call this section, with Captain America Annual Number 1 from Marvel, written by Jerry Dugan, art by Marco Castellio. This is the second part of the Infinite Destinies arc, where we're finding out who the bearers of the Infinity Stones are. Pete, what did you think about this one? All right, so this is a little bit more uh, what I'm used to, but first off, like... Art, absolutely fantastic. Love the paneling. A lot of great action. Uh, very kind of, you know, cool, like the way they've kind of focused on that uh, uh, that stroller kind of flying through the air and uh, uh, while other stuff is going on. Yeah, I really thought the, like the paneling with the stopping the bullets and the motion and then the stop motion was very well done. But a lot of fantastic action. Uh, love the kind of Black Widow, Captain America team up stuff. 
makes me very excited for the movie coming out. Uh, just kind of classic. Which fun. movie specifically? The Green Knight? No, Black mm. Widow. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought this was fantastic. A lot of fun. Boss baby back in business. Great, great art and storytelling. Um, I like this a lot too. I, what I like about this sort of annual crossover is it's using the infinity stones in a way that doesn't feel like we know that they're inevitably going to come together and, uh, be a whole Thanos themed thing. Mm-hmm. It feels like this type of story could really go anywhere. And we're meeting these new characters. This guy's is overtime. Right. Mm-hmm. And he seems like this issue sort of poses a question like if a criminal can travel through time and undo his crime does he still have to uh pay for it and that's an interesting idea and something that's like really just sort of a theme that's just laid over this story in a way that i thought was uh, really smart i liked it as well next up home number three from image comics written by julio Anta, art by anna wizzick we had julio on our live yeah. show this week so definitely check that out that was a great conversation about this book but like we talked about on the show great issue we're getting our main character our kid character is experimenting and figuring out how to use his powers at the same time he is evading the authorities who are trying to take him back to his country he's working with his aunt here there's some beautiful emotional moments Uh, but this is also like i talked about on the show it's a fun issue to read at the same time as you have these emotional and very deep themes which is why i keep coming back to this book and really enjoying it yeah i mean you you hit it. The emotions in this issue is specific, specifically the phone call with the mom is just absolutely heartbreaking, but also just some beautiful moments as well. Uh, loved how we're kind of seeing the world through Juan's eyes a little bit. And um, it's it's not only just like kind of like almost watercolor art uh, style and uh, uh, touching, but also just kind of tear jerking as well. So it's a it's a real uh, combo. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I said this on the the main podcast then as don't well. Don't repeat yourself. Say something else. Okay, um, hmm, that's uh, that's really hard. This is sort of like um, it's like the planet size X Men um, <laughs> for for our planet. Wow, great. Let's move on then. Uh, Why don't you uh, say what you said on the podcast, Justin? Uh, this ta- this uses the way that the X Men was the metaphor for so many different social issues. Um, this feels like it is taking uh, border crossing and using that um, using superpowers to sort of make that um, tell a, a new type of story. And I, it's just a great book. Like we were so effusive um, <laughs> about this book on the the main show. So definitely check that out. Absolutely. Next up, Berserker, number three from Boom Studios, written by Keanu Reeves and Matt Kent, art by Ron Garney. In this issue, we're continuing to get a flashback about our main character and find out about his past, find out how he becomes the berserker that he is in the present. I really like this book a bit. Uh, We had Matt Kent on the live show a couple of months ago, I guess, at this point, talking about it. But I like the mythology that they're building up here. It's very interesting. And even if it is geared to eventually have Keanu Reeves star in a movie series. That's fine because I like this comic and Ron Garney's art is awesome. Yeah, I I agree. It's really cool. The, um, the way that they're just giving us a lot of like just horrifying, bloody action, uh, devastating scenes while also building the emotional backstory of this character as like a, a fragile boy who is a weapon for his people. 
um, and then aging him up uh, as he he's sort of immortal, at least as far as we know, and how he is still living that same life in the modern age. Really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's first off, Ron Garney's art is just fantastic. He does amazing battle sequences that are both gross and uh, awe-inspiring. But the kind of like character realizing that, you know, he is this kind of tool that's being used and, uh, you know, having to increase his drugs and stuff like that. So he's just the perfect weapon uh, is, you know, I'm I'm hoping is going to kind of blow up in all the right ways. But um, yeah, it's very cool. And we've seen this kind of, comic in different people's hands and right now it says so much that we're enjoying it even though we've seen so many different iterations of it uh the fact that it still feels fresh and cool is very impressive next up the silver coin number three from image comics written by ed bryson art by michael walsh this continues to be a very dark very bloody anthology horror series about people who find a cursed coin, and various things happen to him. In this one, a botched robbery leads to several murders in the woods. Uh, Again, very dark, very bloody, very gruesome, but I like this title. I'm having fun reading it. What about you guys? I'm not having fun reading it because it is fucking gross and creepy in all the right ways. And, uh, man, it it just... uh, Oh, and when the coin gets like taken back to that fucking house. Oh, I, yeah, this is, this is a creepy book that I don't look forward to reading, but when I read it, I'm always like, all right, you, you, you did good. I love a story that commits so hard to the darkness. And this does just like the worst things happen. Nothing yeah. good happens here, but you can't look away from what's happening in the book. And it's great. We get little bits of details each issue about maybe how the silver coin works and who or what is motivating it. And uh, it's a great, if you want a real dark ride, read this book. Next up, Catwoman number 32 from DC Comics, written by Ram V, art by Evan Cagle. Here we're getting some flashbacks kind of as our main villain interrogate somebody to find out more about Catwoman. It jumps all over in time. I This was not my favorite issue of this series so far. Wow. I guess you call it the series, or at least this arc so far, but I still think it's well done. Ram V knows how to write a comic book. I thought this was interesting in terms of Catwoman, but there was something about it that didn't quite draw me in as much as the other issues. What I like about it is the world building. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of world building here and really building out Catwoman as a character that has her own full universe. I feel like so many Catwoman arcs are like, right now she's living in this apartment and she's doing this thing and this is what it is. This arc is about this. And this feels like it's a little bit more of an expansive look and Ram V does a great job of making it unique and interesting. Uh, Ram V... Amazing writer, but I agree a little bit with Zalbs as much as I don't like to, because this book spends, it's other people talking about Catwoman. We don't get to really see kind of Catwoman doing her thing. It's like the lore of Catwoman, which, as Justin points out, it makes it more about building this world of Catwoman, all these other pieces that are kind of involved in our world, which is interesting. But you would also like to be able to see and get Catwoman in the book. So I can understand where both of you are coming. Really great art. 
in yeah. this. And as usual, thank you, Pete, for bridging the divide between me and Justin. I really appreciate that. That's, Next he's up, always been right in between us. Yes, <laughs> not not on either extreme. <laughs> Seven Secrets Number Nine for Boob Studios, written by Tom Taylor, art by Danielle DiNicolo. In this issue, we're dealing with the ramifications of the reveal of the first secret that eliminated Switzerland, like legitimately just took it off of planet Earth. Um, we find out more about the enemy and how their organization works. We also get a huge reveal at the end there. I continue to love the series and really enjoy the series. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, the art's fantastic, unbelievable action. And we're getting some secrets revealed here, which is a lot of fun. Um, yeah, uh, I also like this kind of like villain taking the throne moment with all these creep, creepy kind of like multi-eyed bad guys. Yeah, I, I this continues to intrigue in a way that you you think like, okay, Seven Secrets, I kind of understand that, but it keeps getting deeper and deeper, which is very enjoyable, as well as the villain's side of things also getting more complex. So... Overall, it's a it's a pretty amazing book with all the things going around and all the things that they're juggling, and they're doing it in a way that is uh, still moving the story forward in a way that it is intriguing for the reader, and, and they're like collecting information as they go. Uh, yeah, I I've been really impressed with this package. Uh, package. Um... Written by Tom Taylor, not a manga writer. This book feels so much like a manga in a way that I think really shows that um, he's been studying um, that world. I feel like we're, it, this book is just a little bit coy with information. I would mm -hmm. like to have some more information about what's happening. Um, in general, but it's a book called Seven Secrets, so I guess we got to wait for it more. Yeah, stuff. I was going to say you should read Seven Confessions is another yeah. title that Tom Taylor's been writing, which really tells you a lot of information. Yeah, yeah. And right. Originally, he started with Taxi Cab Confessions. <laughs> yes, exactly. Pete's favorite, still your favorite television show, right? <laughs> yeah, but that was all real. Yeah, Taxi Cab Confessions. That yes, was that was yeah. all real. That wasn't scripted. Um, uh, Alex, how is your um, real sex uh, podcast <laughs> going? Where you just watched out all the real sex episodes and it's great. It's it. going really well. Nobody listens to it, but it's going very nicely. Alien number four from Marvel Comics, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Salvador Laraca. In this issue, we are continuing our assault on the space station that has been taken over by Xenomorphs. Our main character is looking for uh, something to take back to Weyland Yutani, but also his son at the same time. Things go, of course, horribly wrong in this issue. Uh, this uh, really got me, this issue. Like I, we've talking about, Philip Kennedy Johnson has been really drilling into the idea of fathers and sons in a lot of his work. And yeah, it really right. hits on all cylinders here right now uh, in a very emotional way. Justin, what did you think about this one? PKJ, really doing it. This book had a great twist in it that I thought was uh, hard. I did not see it coming, and it was a tough, a tough pull, tough look. Um, I like where it's going. It's a like a lot of the Alien uh, franchise. It's bad situations only getting worse. Yeah. Uh, yeah, PKJ is killing it on this book, but also the art is just phenomenal. Love the aliens. SL? Yeah, I love the alien mm -hmm. designs. 
also big cool alien reveal at the end like we've seen a lot of different cool aliens but that last page i was like oh shit this is awesome um you know we've seen a lot of different alien things so the fact that it's we're still seeing good stuff is really impressive because it could get very tired very easy so it's impressive that they're still finding kind of new corners to explore or things we're familiar with but doing it in a different way so a uh, hat off uh, to this Yeah, project. it's like if you're spicing things up with some sort of Wolverine play or something like that sexually. Well, um, exactly. That's, yeah, that's it, the it, sort of thing. So what just I thought, a heads up, if, you, if you're thinking about uh, doing a bit that involves sex, just stop. Okay, when people look at your face, they don't want to hear you talking about sex, man. I'm sorry. Wow, 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 wow. Not necessary. What I thought at the end of this issue was like, wow, that is a horny alien. <laughs> Anybody people else? look at my face and they don't want to think about sex. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Pete. Pete's, Pete's We've just been doing mad. this show for 15 years, and that's easily the rudest thing you've ever said to me. It's oh, not wow. nice. Because I'll tell you what. Not nice. The prostitutes that I pay to have <laughs> sex with me love my face. Oh, I'm sure they do. Yeah. For only $20 more, they tell me. Wow. <laughs> and it's got to be true. It's got to be true. Radiant Black, number five from Image Comics, written by Kyle Higgins, art by Eduardo Ferragato and Marcelo Costa. This... This book is so good. We've talked about it with every issue, but to spoil the twist for the last issue, the main character who got these very, these gravity powers, these very like invincible Power Rangers-esque type powers almost died and his best friend stole his powers from him. So you'd expect, okay, he gets better this issue and then he gets the powers back. That's exactly not what happens. We're now following the asshole friend who has these powers and gets involved with other people who have these powers as well. There's some big twists here. This is great. This is like legit leaving it all on the table by issue five. And I love it. It keeps I, you guessing this book yeah. in a way that I just didn't expect from the way the premise was set up, as well as was it the third issue where it was like this deep dive into the uh, the first main character's like writing career? Yeah. And then suddenly we're in this part where like that character is just off the board and now the world is expanded into like a Power Rangers situation. Yeah, it's. Yeah, there's a lot of like very interesting drama then with over the top fun action that's very kind of like, you know, like just kind of like this, this fuck you driven kind of like, how dare you? He's in a coma, you know, Uh, it's just unexpected. And it's uh, the arts. Fantastic. It's a very creative thing with a uh, title that doesn't kind of make sense, but uh, works. Um, so yeah, I, I've been really pleasantly surprised with this book. Next up, the many deaths of Layla star number three from boom studios written by Ram V art by Felipe Andrade. As usual with this book, we jump forward several years to catch up with Layla star, AKA death who keeps being reincarnated, um, year after year with big jumps in between. And she is, ostensibly trying to stop the boy who is going to bring about eternal life. But in this issue, once again, spoiler, they meet up, but we get everything through the perspective of a cigarette, which is great. This is this, uh, this whole title is great from the writing to the art to absolutely everything. I am loving reading this book. 
I agree. I love this book. It's so, it reminds me of, um, what was the book uh, with? Uh, Wolverine. Uh, yes, that's it. He, like with the claws, the claw mm-hmm. guy. The very sexual claw guy. Yeah, yeah, right. that's exactly like, what I'm thinking. I, I'm the best that I, uh, there is at what I do, and what I do is watch islands fuck. Yeah. Um, what book are you yes, talking about? Yes, I'm thinking of, oh, um, uh, the uh, Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. Yeah, yeah, Day Tripper. Day Tripper. What were you doing? Were you looking behind you, Pete? Yeah, I have the book behind me. Oh, I was yes. trying to remember it as just I thought you were shouting at somebody who wandered into your room. <laughs> hey, knock it off. I'm talking yeah. to my friends. Fabio Moon? Huh? Come on! Uh, it reminds me of Day Tripper, both in the art style and in sort of the type of storytelling here, getting into death and sort of um, how our destinies come together, and just uh, it's just a great, truly on that level of storytelling. I love this book. Uh, I I agree. This is a very creative, cool book. The art is just unbelievably beautiful, and the perspective. If you were trying to quit smoking, though, I definitely don't recommend reading this book it would be a huge trigger and makes you want to smoke a cigarette but uh other than that it's just a real creative kind of masterpiece as far as like perspective goes and the time that kind of goes by as that kind of uh, cigarette goes down very very cool um and really just unbelievable art Next up, Stillwater number eight from Image Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Ramon K. Perez. In this issue, we're getting a flashback to find out how our sheriff came to the town where nobody dies. Sheriff. What? Sheriff. Sheriff. Did I say sheriff? Marriage. Marriage. <laughs> what is going on with you, Pete? I don't know. I just, Jesus Christ. You guys are, It's everything's great. Everything's great. <laughs> Uh, Justin what did you think about this book This book also continues to impress me Like um, the I love the art Ramon Perez's art I think is uh, so good Um, And we get sort of this Story of a quote unquote Regular person um, Taking her shot sort of up against the wall And finding her way into the town of Stillwater And it's good It really starts it really pushes this story forward or the idea of all of these characters living in this town where they have uh, nothing to lose. They are just willing to do anything to preserve this sort of world they have. And uh, it's good. Yeah. I mean, what's really interesting about this book uh, for me is the fact of like, okay, we have this uh, like premise and instead of just keep exploring that, we're finding new kind of stories within this world to explore and having these other characters and how they're kind of fighting against it. It's very cool. The art's unbelievable. It's a very, very interesting book. Next up, Demon Days Mariko, number one from Marvel, written by Peach Momoko. This is continuing, as you can probably figure out, the Demon Days storyline that gives a very manga-inflected take on Marvel Comics lore. Here we're focusing on Mariko, Wolverine's girlfriend, as she interacts with a variant of Black Widow. Justin, your face is going wild right now. What's going on? Just the fact that Mariko came up, uh, Wolverine's girlfriend, very telling, given all the dream um, mm-hmm. stuff we've been talking about. Uh, fantastic <laughs> art in this book. Yeah. Just really great, beautiful. Sort yeah, of, when uh, you had a sexual dream of Wolverine, <laughs> Justin, was Mariko the other person? 
Um, yeah, here's a crazy thing. Like, I was Wolverine, but I was also Mariko. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, where I was both. Dreams um, and again, if anyone has any, like, personal version of this that they want to weigh in on yeah please, like just real life personal version a i had a dream life, where i was wolverine but uh i was also two islands at the same time pete what about you you want to chime in with anything <laughs> you're the only particular? one who hasn't weighed in here peter yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, chime in with yeah sure so first of all uh the art is absolutely <laughs> both spooky and unbelievably breathtaking and kooky uh, the two <laughs> floating babies that are holding hands and being extra creepy freak me the fuck out and then made me have a flashback to Riverdale floating babies. Um, yeah. yeah, anytime you put, put like, uh, creepy kids in a kind of like a horror tale, it really fucks my shit up. It gets but, um, yeah, I, it's really fun to see these kind of different interpretations of these characters in a manga kind of way. Uh, just the art alone is worth picking up this book. Um, just really cool, fun to see manga uh, versions of the characters we know. Pichamoka's art is great. That is the thing that I'm yes. really taking away from the book. I just really like looking at it. I like the story as well, but it's just absolutely gorgeous. Next up, Nightwing number 81 from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Bruno Redondo. I love this book as well. I know I've been saying I've been loving a lot of books, but like we talked about with previous issues, I have not particularly been into Nightwing, other than maybe the an agent of spiral run that Tom King and Tim Seeley did back in the day, a couple of years ago, which was super fun, but this is so good. Like the whole cast that they're building out, the art by Bruno Redondo is gorgeous. The layouts are amazing. I am very into this book. And like we talked about in the last issue, a little less than this one, but it still feels like DC's answer belated answer to Hawkeye in a certain way. And I think it's absolutely working. Specifically with the art style, I feel like. Yeah. I, it's not like we're getting the same tone or like sort of character moves. I feel like the Hawkeyeification of uh, storytelling was something we talked about a lot where it was like, look, here's um, Scott Lang, Ant-Man, and he's like fucks up and uh, and tries to figure it out. Like Nightwing is still Nightwing here and he's still doing his business, but I do love the way the art style is sort of in that Hawkeye world. And I've been a longstanding Nightwing fan across the board, and so this is a—it's great to see the character resurgent here. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is great, but Bitewing is really what takes the cake in this issue. Uh, really fun. Uh, also, twist ending great, but yeah, art's fantastic. Great twist. Such uh, a good twist. I loved yeah. it. I did not see it coming. Yeah. Yeah. I yelled twist. Um, but <laughs> yes, which I, is what you do when stuff happens. You yell what's happening when yeah, it happens. Twist. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, art's fantastic. This has been a, a, a really great book. Continues to be so. Uh, yeah, this is. I'm not a huge Nightwing fan, but I'm having a great time with this book. I like at the end of the book when you yell, "Expected ending." <laughs> I saw it coming. Next up, Time Before Time, number two from Image Comics, written by Declan Shalvey. Wait, wait, you Roy. mean Time After Time? Time oh. Before Time. Oh, okay. That's the name time of the book. Time After Time. By Declan Shalvey and Rory McConville, art by Joe Palmer. In this issue, two of our characters are stranded somewhere in time. They don't know exactly where because they broke their time machine. Meanwhile, we're getting flashbacks, flash forwards. Of course, it's a time travel book as we flesh out more of this world and how the time travel works. Um, this is great. I feel like it is very hard to make 
a original take on time travel, but that's feel that's what this feels like. This is, you know, what this book reminds me of is like some classic comic storytelling, like the book Zot. That I think wow. um, you ever that's like some old school shit. Man. Yeah, that's it, some old school shit right there. Uh, it really feels like is that by the guy that did Understanding Comics? Yes, or uh, and Scott so, McCloud. Scott McCloud. Um, it has that that the art style I feel like is reminiscent of that, and it feels like it's taking a premise and really like uh, pointing out in different directions from it in a way that feels both meticulous and sort of like uh, playing around as the story's going. Yeah, I I am I'm happy that they were kind of like putting in the dates in there, but it's also very interesting that the the like dates are fucked up if the time is fucked up. Um, yeah, I think this is very creative. Time travel drives me insane, but this was kind of done in a way that wasn't so annoying. Really love the character design and the art is fantastic. Uh, next up, Batman Fortnite zero point number five Come from on. DC Comics. Concept Alex's by favorite title. Yeah, baby, let's do uh, it. Concept by Donald Mustard, Ooh. written by Christos Gage, art by Christian Deuce. What was that? And, well, well, what was that? Well? well, so here's the thing. In this What's issue, we have the Fortnite characters teaming up with Batman, Catwoman, and Deathstroke to try to return to their home universes. This is still pretty good. But it's not as strong as the first three issues. Oh, See, you don't yourself. like it now because they have to get to the story. The plot. Yeah, you don't. Yes. There's a lot of plot here. Well, it's there was something about the fact that the first three issues were mostly silent and just told through narration that was so creative and felt so fresh and so different, kept them very focused on the Batman-Catwoman relationship and then eventually on that wild snake eyes twist. But now... It feels like a very conventional comic book, and uh, Christos Gage knows how to write a really good comic book, so that's fine. I'm still enjoying reading it, but it's not the same thing. Oh, man. I I hear you. Um, I I do think— I hear you. I understand you. I support you. Go ahead. That's it. That's all I have to say. Uh, (laughs) But I do think this issue is going to— this was the issue that had to like do the business, and then we're going to get the conclusion uh, next issue that I think will be back to form, like you're thinking about, Alex, because I do think that's what's set up in the the back the last couple of pages of this. Uh, I wanted yes. to ask you guys: Would you be the person who ran and jumped into the um, energy field before it was uh, figured out? Yeah, that's just dumb. I don't know why you would jump. No, jump I'd never do that. I'd throw. You'd never jump first, into something without knowing. Yeah, what I'd you're throw somebody in. I'd push them out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Push them into it. But I think that I I disagree, Zalvin. Like, first off, I know what you're saying. Face wasn't good for sex or whatever you said. Yeah, it's true. Anyways, I feel like the. Well, I I guess that makes me Batman because his face also isn't good for sex. (laughs) Oh, my God. Finally, proof that he doesn't get a full face. Zalvin, think about it. He only gets this much. Anyways, so, like, I hear what you're saying, but I like this issue because of the ending. Like to me, it was Batman all just doesn't it. like deep, narrow spaces because they remind him of the alley where his parents died. Oh my god! <laughs> don't I don't know That's what you're we need on Twitter to Alex. that alley, but I I don't appreciate it. Anyways, he I just think can't that... get his hand on those pearls that keep. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, I Martha. think that you got to give. Why this... did you say that name? You got to give this Recess comic during sex one. Okay. 
let it have one issue where it kind of like maybe it's not do fucking anything, man. I host a comic book review podcast. Oh, Alex is feeling it. it. I think Pete, you pushed it over the edge. (laughs) I don't care. You got one issue. You've been having such a great time with this comic, and it gives one (laughs) issue where they're moving stuff around to get to a better. I'm done. Oh, I'm out. <laughs> Pete feels bad. He wants you to enjoy everything. Yeah, this was a this is yeah, a great, I know. If there's Pete's position thing. on this podcast is please just calm down and enjoy things. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, let me just rewind this real quick right here and go back to our discussion about Planet Size X Men. I just wanna I just wanna review what we talked about there because I don't remember. Yeah. I think what he basically said, go ahead, be your own dog, man. Let's just live our dreams. <laughs> That's what I remember. I, I, I feel like it did such a great job of setting up this really cool thing and delivering uh, for the first couple of issues. You got to give it one to let it set some things up. <laughs> I really love that thing of like, as he's disappearing, it's like, at least, you know, you have each other. That's such a, especially with Batman and Catwoman right now with their relationship. Like, I really think it's a, a cool setup for more. Yeah, I'm Absolutely. really excited for the last issue where Catman is like, Catwoman is like, well, since it's now the two of us, do you want to, you know, go downtown? And he's like, I don't do that. Uh, <laughs> wow. Fortnite. <laughs> well, last issue, Ultra Mega number four from Image Comics by Giant James Harron. In this issue, we're bringing to bear a lot of the things that have been teased in the first couple of issues where the main character we've been following since issue two finally gets the Ultra Mega powers. Things still go so bloody and so wrong oh, yeah. here. It's so wild. Yeah. This, whole, this book is wild. Uh, I still liked it. I know that we had some controversy with the first issue, but I really feel like this title has come into its own. The art is insane and gross and over the top. And I like the twists here. What do you guys think? I agree. I like this book a lot. It is weird. There are fun little jokes throughout, despite the fact that it's this like bloody battle between like strange looking creatures. Uh, it's, I, it is the art is really nice. I mean, it reminds, I've said this before, it reminds me of the comic book Prophet from a few years ago. Um, not the Rob Liefeld, but after that, uh, I really like it. Yeah, I, I love how bloody and gross this comic is. Um, it's also really funny at moments, as Justin pointed out, the line where uh, the one character is just full out running, going, fucking run! Uh, just so cool, so much fun. It's it's really weird. It's really gross. I'm not sure if, all, if it's all going to pay off, but it's very creative and over the top. And um, yeah, I, I I'm grossed out, but enjoying it. Uh, if you just like, shout out, Bre- Brandon Graham is the um, yes. writer of the Profit comic. I really. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube coming out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the virtual comic book shop. Sorry for hurting your feelings, Alan. No, it's fine. Any uh, any dreams or real life experiences about Wolverine you want to talk about, Pete? No, thanks for asking, though. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs>